This episode of FYI All Things Mental Wellness is powered by National Tiles Wodonga. To find out more, search National Tiles Wodonga or call 026056 4199. Thank you to National Tiles Wodonga for your incredible support. Now, on with the podcast. If you or a loved one need mental health assistance or are experiencing a mental health crisis, call Lifeline. 24-7 on 13 11 14. Hello and welcome to FYI All Things Mental Wellness. Our guest today is a husband, a father to six beautiful children and he's one of nine siblings. What is clear when meeting him is his strong love for his family and the great outdoors. He's a keen rider, both moto and mountain bike riding, loves spending time on the water skiing, horse riding, and enjoys spending some time away fishing with his brothers. One would describe him as a fit and healthy middle-aged Aussie man. Recently, he was dealt one of his biggest blows in life when he was diagnosed with upper gastrointestinal cancer. And today we're going to chat to him about how he and his family are dealing with the diagnosis and how life looks both physically and mentally. Matthew, welcome to FYI. Thanks, Nadia. Thanks. Welcome, Matt. Thanks, though. No worries. Thanks for coming along and having a bit of a chat. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Dave only just realised that you're another Myrtleford person. Yeah, Yeah, we've had a few Myrtleford people come on the podcast or ex-Myrtleford people come on the podcast. So hope that's a good thing. A few connections. It is a good thing. It is a great thing. Six kids. Mm-hmm. Far out. No TV, obviously. No, no it was, it was um, a fairly whirlwind experience. We, we had a business in Talangda and we started up the business from scratch and then bang, bang, had a couple of kids really quick, I think 14 months apart and then pregnant again and- yeah, we sort of missed the whole, um, you know, pregnancy. Uh, <laughs> um, that time in between you missed. Yeah, yeah, all the yeah. So all fairly quickly. So we had the I think the oldest now is twenty seven, and the youngest is fourteen. So yeah, wow. Yeah, uh, five five girls and a boy. Yep. Hmm. And one of nine yourself. <laughs> so it's probably nine. yeah. Yeah, so it felt it felt normal. We always wanted to have a few kids, um, and it just feels normal when you when you have a big close family. Mm. It just feels naked not having a lot of people around. Yep. So yeah, we're all a really close knit family. We all get together every year for at least for Christmas, every second year now because everyone mm. has an in law and. Yep. So yeah, no, I certainly enjoy very family orientated and enjoy having family around. That's the sort of the main thing. Yeah. The the murders, Dave, were really well known in Myrtleford for, for running the basketball stadium, weren't right. they? Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Well, Jim had that for I think when it opened for and he's just retired. It must have been over thirty really? years. Yeah. I remember I used to walk up there after school and I'd stay there all night. I'd umpire, you remember, yeah. I'd be umpiring every night of the week and play. And yeah, and that was a great, great place. It was a great club and a great yeah. community to be a part of. But then it was so busy and great people. Yeah, I really enjoyed 
that part of it. It was yeah. great. Hmm. I think that's the forefront of a lot of people that weren't directly, you know, related or very close with your family. You instantly make that connection to, to Myrtle yeah. for basketball, which is a good thing. Yeah, we're always involved in um, – yeah, Dad was very big in the basketball. Mm. And we had our own team and – Yep. Because there was a few of us, so he used to do these ones. <laughs> Dave, yeah. the old man used to shoot underarm, underarm didn't he? yeah, from the oh, free throw line. Oh, that's he'd good. Do the old. He loved the people that hang shit on him, so he'd be just doing it to rev them up. <laughs> but he could do it from the free from the three point line yeah, it's as well. Incredible, a tinny old bugger. I like that. That's a memory that. Everyone will. Oh, yeah. You just <laughs> everyone will know instantly. Yeah. Yeah. Picture him and throw an underarm. Yeah, <laughs> no. He's, uh, he was a character, that's for sure. Yeah. What about the kids? Are they basketballers? Uh, yeah. So we, uh, I've done a lot of basketball watching and coaching and driving uh, with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And love it. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm, gr- I'm really glad they picked it up. Like yep. of all sports, I let them do, you know, we didn't push them to anything. We just sort of let them go. But they grew up watching all us as yeah. well players, a family, so they were our cheer squad. And so, um, yeah, they did a lot of – we did rep stuff and domestic and, yeah, travelled around with the groups and, and they experienced some of the great, you know, when you have a team and you travel mm. and you're all together and you grow up oh, in the same age group, it just grounds you and gives you that strong yep. friendships and you've always got those – people around Absolutely. you for your whole life, really. Yeah. And I was lucky enough, well, Josh, because he was the oldest boy, we played together because I played for something oh, really? like 38 years or something. So by the time, the last couple of years I played and he was old enough to come on board. So, yeah. Oh, was, that's special. It yeah, was great. Yeah. And the girls, yeah, they, the youngest is yeah, still playing now. So she plays in Wangaratta and Myrtleford and, yeah, I coached. Yeah, I coached her rep side a couple of times, and and yeah, no, really enjoy it. Yeah, I'm just starting. I'm just starting to see that a lot myself in my friends that they're old enough to play a game of whatever sport they're in with their children. I reckon yeah. that's, that's pretty. It is pretty oh, special. Pretty special. good. Oh, yeah. that that would be. It is. It's um, it's sort of the pinnacle when you get to the sport and they get to that stage yeah. where you can uh, yeah enjoy it together. It's great. Yep. Yeah. So we had a couple of years doing that. Awesome. Uh, really enjoy it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, Mitch, my son Mitch and husband Dave got to play cricket together for yeah. a couple of years. They, they were really lucky. They actually got to play in the grand final together oh, wow. as well. So I, I think at the time Mitch was chuff, but I think as he gets a bit older now, he, he realises probably similar people to yeah, what you see Dave playing with their kids. It's yeah. bloody special. Yeah, yeah, you don't – yeah, you just it's, – it's progression that comes along and you don't think a lot about it, but – when you go back and, and think it like when I think about it now, I think, gee, that's you know, that's something you can't just take away. That's really nah, special. Absolutely. Yeah, very good. Mandy's not mm. a basketballer, is she? No, no, she did netball. She played yeah. netball as a young they used yeah. to work in the canteen at Bright and yeah. and netball definitely, but she's behind everything. She's the organizer and the the, yeah. the coordinator and the she's and on the, the committees and the, the driver <laughs> and the good thing about going away on weekend, because Josh did a lot of motocross as well, and he would race the circuits, and we'd all be travelling, so you'd have to pack the whole family up and take them, and that was a good thing in a way, because on one weekend a month you would have to go and do something. You'd get a hotel, well, we'd get two hotel rooms or a hey, caravan. I was just going to say, mate, <laughs> did you have two cars? Well, we had an eight seater. We had oh, to have right. A, yeah, we always have an <laughs> eight seater. Yeah, uh, with the trailer and then the motorbikes <laughs> and then the horse floats because the girls were into horses. Josh is into the motorbike. So, 
Yeah, no, but it was good to get away. Mate, it forced you to be a family yes. to go away and, and it's a great whether thing you were sport. kicking or screaming or not, it was all you're all together. So Yeah. And I think looking back they will yeah, they'll appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Sounds like heaps of fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Looking back now, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Those little caravan cabins are pretty small with yeah. kids jumping from one bed to another. and That's when all the kids stop, Dave. Yeah. There's no more kids after that. No. <laughs> there's no time. No, there's no time. No <laughs> privacy. Yeah. No, that was it. Yeah, well, you can't have any more kids because it's actually easy. Once you've had three, that's probably the hardest. And then after that, the the other kids look after the baby, like yeah. the baby, and say, oh, "I want to be a mum or a dad, so I'll look after it and feed yeah. it." And that, so we just handballed it. <laughs> One of our girls just wanted to be a mum, so she had it sleeping in her room and had the oh. bottle. And so it was actually, yeah, three's hard after that. Yeah, we've just had a there third. You go, Dave. Yeah, yeah. There you oh, go. Get the girls it's are easy after good. now. Yeah, I oh, know. No more. No more for us. <laughs> <laughs> No way. That's awesome. You beam, you know, I caught up with Matt a couple of weeks ago and every time he talks about your kids, you just beam. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very special. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's all we are about. I mean, man, and you talk to her, she's exactly the same and we're on the same level. We give them everything and put them in positions where we can and, and yeah, and then let them take it from there. Like we've never pushed them into a sport or a school or a course or, you know, we give them some suggestions. Of course. Um, but That's good parenting. Yeah, really it's their own choices. And yep. and we've always said you can – we're happy if you work – if you want to work at Coles and live at home, well, that's great. We love you here. Or if you want to go off to school and or you want to be something else, but as long as you're happy doing it. So, mm. And, yeah, we've, we've been lucky. We've got really great – well, everyone thinks they've got – Amazing kids, but we do. Yeah. You're not biased, but no. yeah, you do. Have Mine weren't amazing about half an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> the amazingness <laughs> comes later in life. Yeah. Does it? Not so well, mine's 23 and driving over here wasn't that great yeah. either, but nah, nah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that, that is what life's about. So like I even said in the, in the intro, I, I don't even know how to explain you other than Family, big kids everywhere, and sport—that's and what what a lovely way to be yeah. thought of yeah. in life. So, I guess we'll fast forward a little bit. And as I said in the intro, if I had to explain you to a stranger, I'd say all those things: a fit, healthy, active man. You know, I I had you a bit younger than what you are, but in, in your very early fifties. I'll take that. That's a good thing. <laughs> and um, and unfortunately, how many months ago you got a bit crook and yeah, six? so going just before Christmas it was going back about twenty twenty two nine months ago now. Yeah, so okay. Just started to get a bit of um, well, wrote it off for for a while. People saying, oh, it's, you've got a bit of reflux and you've got a bit of heartburn and. Everyone over 50 has got their old uh, reflux tablets in their purse and you have one of these and so yep. uh, went down that track for a little while and then it started uh, to get a little bit worse. So you go to the doc and say, what's going on? So you run a few tests and you go back and forward because, you know, they don't jump straight to the worst conclusion because no. hopefully it's not. Yep. So we run a few tests and um, – my thyroid levels were bad. So we went down that track for a little bit and we went back and forward uh, and it started to get uh, worse. So I couldn't eat solids and I and I, I picked up this gagging ref, reflex. So anything bigger than a Panadol, 
I put him on mouth. It just automatically would make you sort of gag. So it made it pretty hard to eat. So I went to um, soups and, and yep. purees and things yep. like that whilst still going to the doctor and, and doing tests. Yeah. And then in the, the last appointment that I had, I said, well, look, I think we better do – it's really getting bad now. And he said, look, I've, one of the surgeons is Wang's a good mate of mine. I'll get him to slip you in in the evening at the end of the shit, like as the last one, yep, put yep. you in and he'll do a quick scope and then, we'll, you know, it's probably an ulcer or yep. bits and pieces like that. So so that was good. So down we went and, um, yeah, booked in for a gastroscope. I think it was only a few days they got me straight in. So, yeah, they gown you up and drag you up and put you in and he gives you yep. a bit of a spiel before it, you know, we'll, we'll put you in and have a look and this is what we're going to do and blah, 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 blah. And, I probably won't see her after it. He says, I've got, you know, a golf game or something. So the, <laughs> the nurses and that will take care of you. So last thing you remember is, yeah, them all looking around you and the big light. Yeah. And then um, the light goes out. And, uh, yeah, so I wake up and here's a doc standing over me. I said, oh, that's all I thought you said you were going to play golf. <laughs> you go play golf, yeah. Yeah, so – I didn't really, you know, because you're under an anaesthetic and you sort of wake up and, you know, your throat's killing you and mm. uh, the nurses stand there with an icy pole. So I've grabbed the icy pole and they're great when you when you come out. Mm. And then everyone, you know, people starting to talk and everything and then you just sort of tunnel in when he starts to talk and he sort of does the old explanation. Yeah, look, well, the good thing is we found, well, yeah, what's going on. So, And that was such a relief. That was the biggest thing. I thought, oh, that's great. You know, I feel such a relief. Mm. I don't care what the next sentence is. Like, I feel great that you've found out what it is and now we can move on to fixing it. Correct. Um, he said, yeah, it's, he said, it's not good. And I said, well, I thought, I'm thinking, I thought so, because you're standing here. <laughs> and he said, you've got a, like a four centimetre tumour across your esophagus in your stomach and it's it's encroaching and you're, you're swallowing. That's why the, you're having the problem. So, yeah, that was the, the big the big moment, the big day that everything sort of sort of changed. Yep. Um, at, at that point, it, like he, was, he explained everything and said, look, I'll leave you with the nurses and, and you've got to do obviously a few things from there. Do you have any questions? And and I said, yeah, look, I really love another icy pole because <laughs> I was just eating this icy pole like crazy and that's all I could think of is getting another icy yep. pole. And then after that I was thought, okay, well, you know, people still standing here looking at me. What are we supposed to do from here? And um, one of the nurses, she was an older lady, she's a lovely lady, and she said, oh, look, do you want do you want me to come with you and, and tell your wife what's, what's going on? And I'm thinking, well, what would I tell anyone? Like, I don't want to have to go out and explain something like this that's really going to shock someone to the core and, and upset them, especially at the early stage. Like, when you get something diagnosed mm. early, you've got to think you're in with a bit of a kick, you know. You've got, to, you've got to think, well, you know, there's a lot of things that go on between now and down the track. So I'm thinking, if it was left to me, I would have said, hey, go away, I'll be right. I'll slip back and just say I've got a bit of a – an ulcer or something and nothing to worry about. And then I'll sneak down to Melbourne. Like, you know, you don't think that clearly, but I just didn't want to have to tell mm. anyone. And That's I so think selfless. If I tell Ma, if I tell Mandy, then I've got to tell the kids. And then if I tell the kids, I've got to tell all my family. And that's not one or two people. Like already yeah. there's oh, yeah, yeah, lots yeah. of us. And then, yeah. and then from there you've got to go extended and, and, and I just thought, oh, just imagine standing in front of, because you've got to tell people individually, you don't get them all around mm. like you're having a, a celebration yeah. and say stuff. Yep. 
So you got to sort of individualize it. So I'm thinking, oh, well, you can come with me if you want and and um, we'll see how it goes. So she wheels me back in to the um, bungalow, the little curtain around you, which is great soundproofing, by the way. <laughs> yeah. uh, and she's sitting on the bed there. And I said to the guy, I said, oh, I'll take care of it. You just, you just come along and make sure I don't stuff something up. So she comes along and I started doing the whole spiel. And then as I was saying it, it was starting to sort of tick over. And then I just got to a point where I couldn't say anything anymore. And I just looked over at the nurse and she goes, okay. She took I sort over. Of, so I sort of take it from there. So yeah. And that, that was the hardest thing. And then watching the emotion of someone else, because uh, whether I didn't feel, I felt quite emotionless about it because I just went straight to, yeah, shit, what am I going to tell Mandy and then the kids and how are we going to roll it out and do we not tell them for a while? And then they find out from someone. So there's all those things that go through your mind. You try to protect them and not say anything and then you try to maybe we'll tell them a little bit or – but then it always gets out and gets around the back. Yeah, and, and as you say that, I think it, it's a typical parent response. We always want to try and protect our kids. But, I mean, it's so yeah. selfless. You know, you were even trying to protect Mandy and, yeah. you know, not even sort of considering your own needs, I guess, initially. So, yeah, it's bloody hard as mm. a parent. It's- yeah, and, and that was, yeah, and at that stage, and it's, uh, that was my sort yeah. of main concern. How yep. do, where do we go from here and. Yep. Not so much in the medical term, but the outside world. Yes. Because yeah. yeah, that yeah. was the immediate next step. Yep. Uh, the medical stuff will just happen. I mean, yep. you're in you're in hospitals and care and they'll look after you. Yep. But they don't come into your house and fix everything sure. uh, and go through everything with it. Cause, and I couldn't even say the word like when they – they said, you've got a cancerous tumour. Whenever I told someone, I would just say, oh, I have a tumour or I have a growth or I yeah. have an obstruction or something like that because there there's a real stereotype when you hear the word. It's like mm. shark. Everyone shits yeah. himself or yeah. thinks the worst. There's a shark. You know, if you're swimming around in the ocean and someone says shark, you're going to get out whether yeah. it's there or not. <laughs> and the same, if you, you've been going to say, oh, shit, I've, I've got cancer, and everyone's going to go, oh, my God, yeah. you know, that's pretty terrible. Yeah. How long do you have? Yeah, yeah, like this is terrible. Like, oh, it's you know, everyone's going to die. You get cancer, you die. You know, it's mm. um, but it's yeah, it's not. It's, it's not more than like that. that, absolutely. Yeah. So, no doubt, Mandy would have been beside herself, but obviously the supportive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of kicks in, and and you go from obviously, she goes from. Um, being the controlling, abusing wife who beats me to, <laughs> <laughs> to yes, to gather around and she's just got this amazing strength and it was just support and supportive and, mm. and straight away it was where do we go from here and, and what do we do and how do we roll it out? So we hatched a bit of a, yeah, bit of a plan. Bit of a plan and, and- yeah, because I wanted to be able to sort of sit down and tell them because they're from 27 to – it was fourteen back then, so you don't tell the same story. Obviously, no, it's going to be a little bit, no. a little bit different and complex for the older ones. And um, of course, so. a little bit of sugar on it for the younger yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. Is there any any family history of health issues like this? Uh, my grandmother. Yeah, oh. apparently she had um, a similar thing. Not a lot of detail because it was going back quite a while mm. when she passed away. My cousin on my. So my mum's side has the exact same yeah, uh, right. thing, but they operated and, and 
they cut out a section of the stomach and joined the esophagus and like a like a nip tuck in the stomach, yep. you know, mm. they do yep. that for the Yeah. So he's had that operation and that's been successful. So Yeah, okay. So that that's not an option for you, Matt? Uh not yet. Not no. Yet. Mine's yep. a little bit different. Yeah. So I've got to go through go through all the treatment yep. and then uh, do tests and then more treatment. Yep. And more tests. Uh, it could be a, a couple of years till they reassess where everything is. Obviously, size comes into it, the type of cancer, how quick it grows, and all those sort of yep. things. But so, where, where do you sit? Where do you sit mentally? You know, you, you go home from this gastroscopy that you've had, and you've you've got this vagueish sort of diagnosis, I guess, at that stage. Yeah. Yep. How, how do you deal? How, how do you put one foot in front of the other till you get more? Because, I mean, I noticed you said also it was like relief when they said yeah, we know why. Definitely. I think that's yeah. the hardest thing for most is mm. the unknown. Mm. Once we have a diagnosis of something, it's you feel something a bit of there. Yeah. yeah, and we go, right, how do we yeah. how do we try and fight this? Yeah, or- you just put a plan. Because I'm, I'm very structured and and, yep. and I like to have a plan and, yep. and move in very, you know, I liked my – my laundry to be in the right stacks and things, and then you oh, look at some people's right. laundries who I won't uh, mention the names. <laughs> well, shit just gets thrown in there, yeah. and then it gets pulled. That's out my laundry. And- That's my laundry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, Matt. So I, but I can't take control and do anything because there's too many people in our house. So I just have my own little, my own little wardrobe is nice and tidy, and they can do it what they yeah. like for them. But yeah. yeah, so yeah, having a bit of structure and and knowing. Yep. Well, this is what it is, and I did feel relief. Even coming home, I felt very relieved. But there was also just the weight of still, I've got to roll this out to yeah. everyone. And and I thought, well, this will hit me, you know, at some stage. I'm sure there's stages like these. You know, they say the stages of death. You go through this, this, Grieving. this. So the stages of getting um, a diagnosis like this, there'll be this, this, and this. And I said, yeah. well, I'll, I'll let it come. I'm not the sort of person to sit there and research and say, oh, all right. First, oh, this is going to happen, so I'll fall in a heap and lie on the floor and cry or something, and you follow the mm. uh, what happens rather than, you know, so I said, I'll just live and it, it happens. Let it happens. Happen. Fall yeah. on the floor and cry. That's what happens. But I still sort of haven't got to that point, I guess, because I'm still focused on where I am and what I'm doing the journey. So I'm still in the journey, so I'm going on the train and I'm, I've got appointments, I've got this, I've got that, and there's always something going on. So... Yeah, to to come home it was relief, but then yeah, to sit down and then go through and and tell tell the kids and everything, you know. And in a way, we ro- I rolled it out very broadly and said, well, look, we know there's something in there, and that's what's causing it. So I'm going to have to have tests, and which is all the truth. Yeah, going to have to have tests and things, and go to Melbourne and and do all these things. And the youngest, she was lying on the the couch by the fire and she's got her phone she's looking at it and she goes oh can they fix it dad and i said yeah you yeah, know they're, they're pretty good then well that's all right then what do you really there's like there's nothing to worry about like and that's great and that's sort of how i feel you're in you're in good hands so yeah that's, so once that's refreshing to hear yeah isn't it yeah 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 so from from there it was just um yeah rolling it out to my family and your siblings are quite close as well so that was that was difficult and the same thing like i had to tell so many people it was so draining to Mm. tell someone Mm. that you really care about that that oh you by the way like it's not as if they're the one that's you know Mm. 
but they're going to feel it and they're going to feel the pain. And that. And the good thing about siblings is they take it on board and then they toughen up and brush it off and say, slap you on the back and say, well, get on with it. You know, yeah. let's get it on. And, and you don't have to think or say anything about it anymore. It's not the sort of thing, because the last thing you want to do is stand around and talk about it. And the good thing about siblings and, and family is that um, they're so supportive and they're there for me all the time. And mm. um, yeah, it's just a slap it's... on the back and sop your sook and come on, come and help us get the wood. And you know, <laughs> yep. you know I've got a hat and sunscreen on and, and, and gloves and long pants and shorts because I can't be in the sun. <laughs> and then I'm trying to get wood and throw on the, and they're all there uh, helping. So yeah, it, it's great to have that level of support yep. when you're not well. So lucky, like really, and we've been, we always say this to each other, we've been so lucky in our lives with where we are and with the kids and the family. It's, you know, the sort of lifestyle that, we, that we've always wanted that we have and, and this, this is just an, a, a hurdle um, yep. that we sort of have to work through. But um, And the older kids, so the ones, because I understand one's in medicine and yep. so obviously her understanding would be, more yeah. comprehensive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why there's different levels of yep. how much, you know, yeah, you, you need to. Like, there's so much things that go over my head. Like you go into the oncologist and they talk and all I hear is blah, 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 blah. This is good. Blah, blah, blah. Well, this is not so good. Blah, blah. We're going to try this. And there's a lot of words and things and yep. terms that float around, but I just don't. I just shut it out and just take out the little bits I think that are relevant. Um, yep. To me, and and because they don't know what's going on, really. There's new treatment that, that I'm on, and, and there's immunotherapy and chemotherapy that that they run. So they don't know the outcome of running simultaneously together. Everyone's different. Every mm. age group, mm. every every fitness level, every um, everyone's different. So Still they right. never put a fiddle up. At the start, they'll say, "Well, this is the percentage, you know, based with the type of." Carcino, blah, 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 cancer, whatever you have. But then there's all these other variables on the outside, you know, your health, yep. your age, your fitness, your, you know, where you live, what you eat, what you drink, and, and things like all that. All comes so, into play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's good. So you're in a pretty good mental state. So I guess, yeah. you know, we, we don't have to talk about all your days, but when you got a more directive diagnosis and you had a plan in place for some treatment, how were you going then and how was Mandy? And yeah, it was a bit of a roller coaster. So went back to the surgeon because after the gastroscope, they send you away and they do what they call a PET scan of your body. It's like a, a CAT scan, mm. put special dyes in and it lights up uh, where the tumours and, and things are in your body. So we went and did that because they wanted to see, obviously, you know, where else is it? Is it mm -hmm. is it out and about? So we did that and came back and we had an appointment. She's rang and said, okay, we've got the tests back. Come and, and have a sit down with us. So we went in there and he, he turned the screen around and he said, look, it's, it's just the main, you know, this is where it is. This is great and blah, blah, blah. So we were, I was a lazy, I'm sitting there thinking, well, that's, that's great. That's what I wanted to hear. And he said, but we've got to send you down to the Peter Mac down in Melbourne. They do what they call a laparoscopy or something. I don't know. It's a lot of big words, something to do with your stomach and putting yeah. holes in it. Um, and that'll, that'll see anything that we can't see, anything under half a centimetre or something. So, so great. So from what he can say, and he's saying, this is great. Yeah, that's it. 
So within a week, like the system was was faultless. Like you're in, it's like we're in Wangaratta one minute doing a gastroscope, and then we've done. I've done you know the PET scans and the CAT scans, and then I had the meeting with the surgeon, and then I think it was a week or two, and then we're down in the the Peter Mac down in Melbourne, which is like suburbia mm-hmm. you know, that's so busy and there's so many people inside there in the waiting rooms like you just just goes to show how many all experiencing the same people thing. Yeah. are affected in in different things in different ways so we went down there and checked in and had the lap laparoscope and another gastroscope because they wanted to have a look as well there was no obviously obvious growths there but there was the, what they call some metatastic cells and that's floating around. So they said, got to get you straight into treatment. So I said, well, look, we've got a cancer centre in Albury. Can't I do it up there? Yep, no worries. I know a good guy up there. So he um, booked him in with the um, associate professor here, um, Craig Underhill. And straight away, I think it was a week, and then I was booked in to see him. So we've gone from the little Wangaratta Country Hospital down to the Peter Mac, back up to the cancer centre here, and everything coordinated, like, you know, in some places you can't, you, you've got to take your information everywhere because mm-hmm. no one knows. You turn up and you say, what are you doing here? You know, you just walk in, you give them your date of birth and your name. Say, yep, now we've got you here, right? Yep, let's do this. Let's do that. And get you sorted. So. That's good to hear. Mm. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. I, I can't. And even now, like down the track six, seven months later, it's just a, such a relief to have the system run so well and so easily. Um, that's brilliant. It just takes the weight off you know, and the worry. And you know you're in a system that's working toward getting you where you need to be. The last thing you want to do is be standing there and sleeping on a bench because there's no beds or mm. no one knows who yeah. your name is or where you're supposed to go next. Yeah. Or So straight up to see Matt and he said, yeah, by next week we'll, we'll get some chemo into you. And I'm, and I'm a bit new to all this. You don't understand what's going mm. on. It's all a bit... That, that bit scared me more than the diagnosis, what's mm. going to happen, what is chemo, what do you do, and you start looking it up and there's billions of things to read about it. And so I sort of cut all that away and just sort of went with it and said, well, what do I do next? He said, right, oh, well, you've, you've got to go and get a what they call a pick line put in, which is uh, in your arm they hang some, uh, some tubes out so they can put the chemo in. So he said, in your case, eventually you'll get a port put in, which is a um, an implant one. Oh, yeah. So it sits under your skin. So each time you go, whereas this just hangs there all the time, you've got to have it bandaged and covered and stuff. So so within a week, I was um, in and they banged it in. So you just get a tube in there and it runs down through to the heart, to near the heart, because the, the chemo is so caustic, you can't just go in your small veins or your arteries. So they put that in. I think within two days, I was back at Craig's hooked up and yeah chemo up and running and I, and it felt good because there was progression and, and there was yep. things happening and and, uh, and the hospital up there is fantastic it runs like clockwork and everyone's just like they're like uh, little soldier ants and they're just mm. they've just got a focus and they're going on and, and then they stop and then they have the most incredible personalized discussion with you to just make you feel so at ease with what you're going through, like, you know, mm. we understand why you're here and what you're doing. And then they get you all hooked up and, and then they bang the blinkers off and off they go again to the next one. So there'd be 40 or 50 chairs or people sitting there um, going through the treatment for all different ones and all different lengths of time. Mine on average was 
are four hours for the actual infusions. So there's three, four or five or six different bags. And so you've got your chemo and your immuno steroids. The steroids are good at the start because you come out, you're fairly <laughs> pinging and you go, you've got plenty to say. And, and then, <clears throat> um, but you've got to be there in the morning. So you give your blood in the morning at about at nine o'clock. Then you see Craig at 10. Then you start your treatment at 11 and finish about three or four, depending on what he uh, what he thinks the best mix mm. for you is for the day. But I, I really enjoy those days. Like it's it sounds really weird to say, but those days sitting there for that amount of time and being, you know, not so much being with the other people because you, you're in a personalised booth, but it's just a relaxing, quiet space for yourself because there's so much going on. Everyone's around you and everyone's supportive, but still it becomes yeah. a little bit, you know, claustrophobic. To have your own time is great and good. Good for reflection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can just think about things. And and after a while, I just started working. So because I just can't think, I've got to be busy all the time. So I just take the laptop and work. And and um, the lunch girl comes around and takes your order. Like they feed because you're there for a while. So you get morning tea usually. Uh, scones, jam and cream in a cuppa and and then you have focaccias and things for lunch and afternoon tea. So you really are looked after like a champion. And The day I went to visit Matt, Dave, he's sitting up there. I think you're on your laptop on the phone yeah. working, chemo's going. And you're right, how you describe those nurses, they, mm. they were like little soldiers. I actually said to one of them, you almost need roller skates or rollerblades <laughs> yeah. on, you just go flat out. Matt and I went for a walk. And we sat in that little windowsill there in the sun and and then this nurse just stopped, gave us a chocolate each, had a quick personal chat to Matt. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, incredible. Just, just think. And, yeah. you know, where Matt was sitting, like the outlooks, I mean, although it's behind yeah, you when yeah. you're having treatment, is is amazing. So a massive shout out to mm. the Oruodonga Cancer Hospital is just it's beautiful. It's yeah. it's amazing to have a great experience yeah. in where you're in that state. Oh. You know, it's great. You know, it makes you feel. Uh, I remember the first treatment that I did, and they give you the steroids to combat the side effects of the chemo. So coming out and you're feeling a little bit, you know, jived up and a bit excited, and then it gets builds and gets bigger and bigger. I remember my, I think my father-in-law took me over the first time. And I was getting irritated by the way he was driving and I'm like, come on, Ab, you're going around all the potholes and and you just get really hyped up and, you know, and uh, but that soon wears, wears off once your body gets used to it. Yeah. The chemo, it's the opposite. It accumulates in your body. So the more treatments, I did treatments fortnightly for 12 rounds, so six months of treatment. And then the side effects obviously start to kick mm -hmm. in and and- you get a bit of medication for noise. You get a bit of nausea. Like there's so many. There's lists that they give you showing the side effects. And, and we were speaking about it earlier. What if you read the side effects of Panadol? So you probably wouldn't take yeah, it. Yeah, you wouldn't take mm -hmm. it. So you don't get everything. And I said to the doctor, I said, it sounds like reading this that I've got to go home and wrap myself in a <laughs> Hazchem sheet so that I don't infect my family, you know, yeah. do this double flush, put gloves on, clothes, you know. And he said, no. He said, look, it's, we've come a long way and the drugs are, are much safer. Yeah. Um, he said, just for the, the days that you are taking the chemo home with you because you get – once they disconnect you from the drips and everything, they put a little bottle – 
Yeah. It's like an infusion bottle and you bring that home with you, pop it in your pocket. It's like a little doll's baby bottle. bottle. So that stays with you and that's got a big bubble in it and that just diffuses over two days. Yeah, right. And that's that's probably the worst one. That's when you start to get you get sort of bombed just mm. to side effects. And well that's what I got. I mean, everyone would yeah. would get different side effects. So I've got um about what we call the day three um, reaction where you just couldn't get out of bed just because you're tired. And uh, yeah. I didn't, I, I wasn't, you know, driving the porcelain bus all the time. I wasn't, you know, unwelding my hair didn't fall out. So everyone gets certainly different effects. Different side effects. Side Did you lose your hair? I never asked you that. No, it's a different course. So yeah, there's okay. different, yeah, different yeah. drugs in there. Like you said, they fine tune it. Once upon a time, they probably all had it all in one and bang. And they overdid it in a lot of cases. Yeah. So now they're lucky, Max. Pretty fine up there. Yeah, I know. It's, I just had it cut today. Very so, fine. So I said because I've been a little bit because I had my daughter's Deb, and I thought, oh God, because it's just it does get thin. And uh, I said, can you cut it so it, I can't see through to my scalp or anything like it was starting <laughs> to get really thin. So they did the old comb over. Oh yeah, but it looked good. So I just yeah. went down there and said, no, nah, just shave it all yeah. off. I don't, I don't want it there. So yeah. I was going to ask Matt. Over the nine months, what kind of day-to-day symptoms? How's the swallowing? Yeah, good. That that sort of um, changed within the by the second time, second round of chemo. So that was a really good sign. So when I was in Melbourne, they did a biopsy. So they took parts of it to test yeah, it. All right, and it um, it had a protein which was conducive to the immunotherapy. So immunotherapy is a drug that stimulates your own body to combat the cancer cells. Mm. So you don't have to have foreign drugs put in to do that job. And it used to be uh, a last line defense that they gave people because it wasn't on the PBS. And it was just about five or seven grand a hit. So in the last couple of years, that's become available. And that's why they don't have a lot of history on how it's going to treat everybody and what happens. That's why they, they, when they give you an answer like this is, They've probably got 50 years of data going back from, and in the last 10 or 15 years is where they've made all the, you know, yeah. the, the big changes, changes of it. So so within a couple of weeks, I was, yeah, starting to eat again. So that was great. Mm. So obviously, I felt really good with that. So I'd lost about uh, 15 kilos and, you know, I don't have a lot to, to put on and take off. So it was fairly noticeable. So I I um, yeah, started eating well, more like gorging. I'm mm-hmm. thinking, I've got to put weight back on now. So started eating okay. Um, side effects, yeah, well, at the start were pretty pretty easy. Just uh, the nausea and the bombed out day. I'd have one day just lays around watching telly. You just feel tired. And, and, and then the more you do it, get things like vertigo, um, mm. you stand up and get dizzy. Because it affects your red and white blood cells. They don't produce as many so your skin thins out well everything changes and eventually by round 12 you're pretty sick of it mm. <laughs> everything mm. starts to build up the worst ones i still have is is the uh, the nerve damage in your tips your fingers and your toes like they feel numb and they tingle all the time and he said that will grow out he said your nerves grow from sort of your neck down and they will eventually come back but at the moment yeah i'm not much good at you know, fine arts, like mm. yeah, sewing okay. and things like that. No, I take care. Yeah. <laughs> My darning it's is- not good. Darning it's days are over. Real yeah. well, yeah. So I've had to pass that baton on. Yeah. So that's the most uncomfortable and wearing bare feet is uncomfortable. The cold it was a funny one because you come home and you 
you had to grab a beer out of the fridge and cold is the worst thing when you're on chemo. Like it shocks you and gives you, makes you go numb. It's like grabbing, uh, I suppose, an icicle and holding onto it. You get that shock and cold and pain. Yeah, right. Like it doesn't, doesn't kill you, yep. but it's just uncomfortable. Yep. So you grab it and you go, I'm going to have a beer and oh, shit. Yeah, so you put that back and then you go and get a warm one on the bench that Mandy's put there for me because <laughs> she knows that I can't drink anything cold and I've got my little my little food portions that are usually in the fridge that are sitting on the bench, so they're warm. Because if you have something too cold, like if I, if you take a cold swig of a beer or something, the same reflex that your hand has, your throat has, so you get like a spasm in your esophagus, and yeah. that, so you sort of you don't. Is choke, that still now? Choke to death. Yeah, yeah, but not as mainly bad. in the mouth. Yeah, that okay. one. It was worse earlier. You put it in your mouth, and you well, your tongue loses a lot of its texture and taste anyway. Yeah. But anything cold, if you do throw it in there, yeah, you get that same sensation through your tongue. Yeah, right. And then I have had it quite uncomfortable where I've taken a big swig. It wasn't freezing water and it was on the on the bench I thought, and I was really hot and I was gulp, 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 gulp. And then I could feel it start and go right mm. down my throat, like the spasms in it. And they, they say it's uncomfortable and it is. <laughs> but yeah, right. it, does, it doesn't kill you and it no, goes no. away. Yeah. But uh, so there's that. I got a really strange one which we didn't read in the pamphlet, and it's called. My wife looked it up. It's called first bite syndrome. So you have chemo, and you come out, and the first thing you do is go to KFC because <laughs> I've got to eat as much fatty, horrible foods. So, oh, I couldn't stand KFC before this. So really, go through KFC. I used to. The only thing I could eat was the skin off KFC. So I'd pull the skin off and eat. It. It's the only thing I could actually when I was wasn't that well. I could eat so. We go into KFC and you ask them for warm water and they go, what, who wants warm water? So they've got to go out the storeyard and grab a warm water for me. And then I grabbed this bit of chicken and threw it in my mouth and it was like someone at the back of your jaw there put a cattle prod on and just the yeah. shock just went bang right through my whole mouth. Just All your jaw just electrified like a electric shock. And I looked at Mandy and she goes, what is wrong? Because I'm sort of wriggling and holding my face thing and I did blow off or, you know, what's happened? And then we got home and she looked it up and said, yeah. Because I yeah. never looked anything up. I don't Google anything because you just get too caught oh, up in. Absolutely. It goes on and mm. on and on. And if you get this, you could get this. And then you get this, you could get this. And But, yeah, so that it's called first bite. So it's only the first bite of what you eat for the meal. So second bite's all right and then you can eat along. But then you go home and then you eat again and then bang because you've forgotten about it and it happens yeah, again. It happens it's again. just like bang. I've never heard of that. And that, cool. um, that only happened for oh, about two or three months majorly, like really uncomfortable, and then it sort of petered off a little bit as well because they did change my um, dosage a little bit because I had to miss one round because they check your platelets and everything and if yep. you're not up to scratch. so Yep. God, you're going to get sick of me talking. I could go on all day. That's when right. you are low on your platelets, you have to have an injection yep. to bring that up So for your next treatment. So um, they give you a little injection to take home. So they wrap you up. You finish your chemo. They send you home. You've got your little bottle and your injection and your bag of drugs, which is not a huge entourage of drugs. You've got one for nausea, one for reflux. I take one for... Jumping leg syndrome, which is nothing to do with it, but it's really uncomfortable. Jumping yeah. legs. I've got that. Do you? 
Does it make at does, night? Does Bose kick you out at night because mm. you're yeah. waking him up? Yeah, it's horrible. It's yeah. a horrible feeling. Yeah, restless and legs. I yeah, think. yeah, restless yeah. leg syndrome. Yeah. And you're lying there and you sleep, and within an hour, your legs kicking goals. Yeah, and then you get bang, bang, yeah. <laughs> So that and then, yeah, so I don't take, they don't give you heavy drugs to take home and you know, this is chemo drugs, you've got to take all these. It's just other bits and pieces yeah. that you take home. So you take all that home and then they coordinate with the local nurse because you've got to have the bottle removed in two days. So instead yep. of driving over, the Myrtleford community nurse, they they come around and, and they do all that and they give you the injection and they take the thing off and... And uh, look after you, but and they're they're great as well. Like they just they just ring you up and say, well, and we got into a routine. Yeah, okay, this week you're on the chemo. Yep, we'll come around. We'll do this today, and then tomorrow we'll come back for your injection. And it's a great service. Like I'm about fifteen k's out of town, and they come to my house and and do all that. So. We're very privileged, aren't we? Mm. We're, oh, we're so privileged. I could not imagine living in when you see some countries yep. and the systems that they have. Well, well, even they, America. I mean, they're not a third world country, but I'm sure they don't have the same the same oh, public. I'm a public system. Correct, patient. correct. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's refreshing. And I, I was going to look up what the stats are. Matt and I had a brief chat before recording. You know, I don't know, is it one in six or one in seven of us will be affected? directly by cancer, you know, mm. stats are, are quite high. So I guess it's it's quite possible for anybody to either get cancer or, or be directly affected. And, you know, what, what I get out of this a lot is that level of comfort that the system does work and yeah. we do we do have um, a great system. A and great I'm talking system. about regionally as well yeah. where we're probably a little less disadvantaged than the city. So. Yeah. It takes that scaredness a little bit away, yeah. I think, what you're doing, oh, Matt. If you can Do you put think, your, Dave? Yeah, of course. Like it's, yeah. it's to see you sitting here and, you, you you know, you're telling us your real story, It, I'm not scared, if that yeah. makes sense, you know. It's yeah. refreshing. Because it is pretty scary, the word, when yeah, you hear it. Of course. And, then, and the unknown of what's going to happen and, and what treatment is. But once you get into the system, it just sort of takes care of itself and it's yep. – it's like you're on autopilot moving through a production line and it's just something you don't have to worry about. Talking on a you know local level here, we've got the cancer cancer here, so I guess we're exposed a little bit more to services, yeah. so yep. that helps. Mm. But to hear it direct from someone that's going through it, In, yeah. it's it's quite refreshing. Yeah. So how's... How's work life? You, you're still able to work during all that because you're, you're full time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So um, work's been great. They work for a family owned business, so they they're very understanding. No matter what you sort of bring to the table, they they sort of work with you. So um, at the start, so when I do chemo, I have um, I have the day off, obviously sitting in the chair, and I've integrated work into that, so I can. For four hours, I'm sitting there bored. So I started yep. watching movies, but that drove me up the wall. So yep. I love my job. So I just keep involved in it because if mm. you get too separated, then you're sort of outside the picture. So I do that. And then the other two days, Wednesday, Thursday, I work from home on my laptop. They're my good days. Friday, I have another half day off because I won't get out of bed till sort of lunchtime. 
and then I'll get up, have something to eat, and then I feel okay enough to sit there and, and do, do some, some work. work. Yeah. And that makes you feel good. It stimulates your mind mm. and keeps you active. Because otherwise I'd lay in bed all day and look at the fan and think, oh, we haven't dusted that for a while. And then look at the TV and put something on and watch Dr. Phil or something. Like, I'd, I'd literally go mad. So I love being able to work from home and it's been so flexible. Then the Saturday and Sunday, obviously it's a bit of a recovery day. You get a bit better and a bit better. Get out and try to do some stuff outside. And then by Monday, yeah, back at work full time for the week. So, yeah, work have been great. That's and I've been there for 10 years, so I've hardly ever had a sick day. So I'm lucky I've got a few sick days in the bank. <laughs> so that, that's worked out really well. Yeah, and but, fortunately you work for a great company too. Yeah, yeah, but that's they are so. so. And then like head office in Melbourne, the guys down there rang and said, look, you know, we're behind you 100%. If you need anything, you know, if you just, you know, we're here if you need time. It's all about that's you great. and your family. And that's what you want to hear, yeah, because mm. – the worst thing I thought is, how am I going to work? How long can I work? Yeah. How much can I do and money. still be involved? Got to keep the money going in. You don't just yeah. turn the money tip off and, you know, and you're right. keep going. So yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's just another part of the support network that you have. And if it, if it all links up together, it's, it just works so well. Yeah, I guess if there's a chink in the chain, it makes it harder to – like that would be really difficult for me for work because I'd push myself and I'd go to work. And mm. I'd try to sit there and be miserable and and do what I can just mm-hmm. to keep just to keep the money turn over. But no, they've been fantastic. Very lucky in oh. that area. Very lucky. well, yeah. And you make your own luck too. You've been there ten years, so obviously you've been a yeah integral yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and oh, I've. I've you know, I had so many questions, but what's what is the next? Yeah, like, what, yeah. what's the next is, chapter is this, like? Will this disappear? Is that what? So for now, what we do is we go off the chemo. So I'm still on the immunotherapy till April because yep. that, that goes for 12 months. Your body can only do 12 rounds chemo. That's the max. Normally, it's four to eight. So I got through to 12, but I I did have a. Um, a couple of blood, blood transfusions and an iron transfusion just because you lose blood. Like they take <laughs> every mm-hmm. week, every fortnight, they take a fair bit of blood and you don't, you know, you don't renew your, your blood cells. So that depleted. And that was just one day when my daughter said, oh, look, it doesn't, you don't look right. You look really pale. And, and I was getting more dizzier than f- like as the week progressed than getting better. So she said, go over and do some blood. So we drove over to the emergency, did some bloods, and my hemoglobin, which takes the oxygen around the body, was uh, 66 or something out of 120. So 120 is what we normally are. So it made me feel a bit better because I was thinking the chemo's really smashing me and I don't want to miss because you want to keep on track yeah. for as long as you can so that because you know it's going to do the best if you do what they yeah. ask of you. So, But, yeah, it just uh, smashed me. I was just bombed out. So popped in a couple of pints of blood yep. and and a blood transfusion. And, and just this week I'm just starting to perk up. It takes a little bit to get in the system, you know, it just yep. comes springing out. But, yeah, so, so from now, um, so we finished the chemo do the immunotherapy fortnightly and then we move to monthly. It doesn't have as bad side effects. It's sort of more in the background. It's more stimulating, as I said, your body rather than trying to destroy it. 
and then they'll look in three months and we'll do another scan. So obviously you do a scan and see what's happening. If there's not much happening, that's great. We'll do another three months, do another scan and then see what's happening again. All goes well. Each scan will show nothing, you know, that's the yep. the, the ideal yep. scenario, but they don't know. No, no one really knows. So. Mm. so if there's a little bit of growth back, obviously you go back and do a bit of chemo to see. So they've got to get a balance of what treats it, what right. holds it and what will kill it. And, yeah, so it's just back and forth. And he said to me the other day, he said, we don't know. This is just the process from mm. us learning over the years and this with the new drug is different again. So it's a new process and a new learning. So yeah. um, it'll be... Yeah, it'll be a while back and forth. Yeah, yeah. just doing yeah, tests. And- my father went through three years, about twelve years ago. So he had yeah. lymphoma, cancer with yeah. Craig, with Craig. So we know Craig yeah. Underhill very well. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Everyone, it's different. Yeah, everybody's different. Yeah, and every diff- story's different. And mm. every, there's so many different cancers and and things out there. So many things can be wrong and different. Like even two people with the same are two. Well, if you two guys had it, they'd be totally different because, yeah. you know, there's so much. I think I was telling Matt earlier, Dave, like my mum and my best friend had the same cancer, non-Hodgkin lymphoma, yet they had quite some very similar side effects and things, but some quite different as well. So mm. we're all different. Yeah. I, I yeah. think it's that's just part of being a human being. So how's your outlook? Good. I, I still feel great and I've always felt good so I've just let myself progress I've just sort of sort of well off you go and if you're feeling good keep going because you obviously you have you have counsellors and people at the cancer centre they have a wellness centre there and they are most of them are volunteers but they're amazing people and you go down there and you have a yarn to them and they say what can we do for you what do you need what and they reach out and they have counsellors and things for so each child can have someone to talk to if they want, you know, at a different level because they're all mm. going to have different things to say and to need and, and what do you need and, and how are you going. And and so you just feel like you're in this network of – and they ring you at home and see how things are going and, you know, what stage you're up to, what's the next thing, you know, that you need from there. So you'd be worse off if you had uh, another disease which could be just as bad but doesn't have that network of help. And things around you. So it's been a really strange thing to say again, but a really a good journey in that once you get the the diagnosis and you're in the system and in a way, I just feel like I'm just lying back and saying, like, everyone's looking after me. I, I just mm. really feel like I'm just going through the system. So yeah, I, I, I just, at some stage, I'll probably, I probably might crash into a, a, a hole and just, you know, I, I do have times where at night, like you do uh, lie there and, and it goes through your mind and you have a moment, you know, with your wife and that, like, we, mm. you know, you just talk about it and, and, you know, you just let each other know that you're there for each other and then, then away you go. You just go out in the morning and, okay, we've got school, we've got the kids, we've got we've got a very busy lifestyle, so that helps. So it brings your whole world within a really small mm. sort of boundary. Yeah. It, it takes, like, the world has become so so small because we can travel and do everything and, and your mind is everywhere. And then all of a sudden there's this little bridge comes around everything and nothing else, you don't give a shit about anything else. Yeah. There's, because nothing else really matters. The, 
the internet doesn't work or Joe Biden's a dickhead or, yeah, you yeah. know, things like that have just, just gone out of my, of my mind. So it's just come to such a, a small and it's, and that feels good too in itself, being able to just let all the shit go. It's like, yeah. it's like throwing the mobile phone away for a child. Mm. Uh, you take away all the distractions in life and then you just, your eyes just open up and go, wow, this has been here, you know, my whole life. Look, look what we've got. And I've been worried about all the other crap. So yeah, yeah it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really, yeah. It, it's hard to say. It's, it's a, a funny experience that I feel that I'm going through, that I feel so good about it uh, in, in that I feel safe, feel well, uh, feel looked after, loved, surrounded, supported, and the network. I, I can't ask for anything. I, I couldn't sit here, apart from saying if I wish I didn't have it, I couldn't I couldn't think of anything I could say that would change anything where I am. Hmm. Just uh, the position I'm in mentally, I feel great. Physically, I'll be back on the motorbike soon now that I've finished chemo and I won't run into a tree or something because yeah. I'm a bit lightheaded. So, yeah, once I get back on that, I'll go motorbike riding with my son and back on the horse with my daughter and the summer's here, we'll be back on the lake and, you know, doing what we're supposed to do, living, yeah, of course. living the dream. That's what we do. That's what we're here for. Mm. You're a great man. Yep. Oof, might have to pass the questions on today. Yeah, questions. Today. Yep. Well, the... <laughs> Uh, the fun part, we finished. <laughs> I hope you had fun, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've had a ball. <laughs> well, if you could Have see. you got any words left, Matt? <clears throat> nah, my <laughs> mouth is that dry. My tongue, even though I can't feel it, is sticking to the top of my mouth. But... Well, uh, Nadi's in tears, so the um, the finale of today's show is up to me. Uh, just a few questions we rattle off to our guests. Matt. Camping or five-star accommodation? Oh, camping. That's that's a gimme. Yeah, definitely. Pineapple on pizza? Yes. God, yes. I used to have a pizza shop and I loved pineapple on pizza. Yeah, that's a, that's a must. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. I assume I know the answer to this one. Early riser or night owl? Yeah, probably more. Oh, gee. Recently I've been a bit of a early to bed and... And early to rise, but daylight savings. I'm getting too complex with this answer, aren't I? You just want <laughs> Keep it simple. You just want all right. No, no, no. Keep it simple, Matt. We've been here for two and a half hours for a 15 minute podcast. Um, yeah, I, I like early rising. I like getting up, going for a walk, seeing the sun come up. Yeah, that, yeah. that suits you. Yeah. Beach or on the snowfields? Oh, beach. Yeah, definitely the beach, I think. Lager or craft beer? Lager. Lager. Craft beer. Yeah, I'm with you on that one too. Uh, and finally, not wishing this upon anyone, but if you were to write uh, one sentence on your tombstone, mm -hmm. what would it be? Uh, lived it to the fullest. Like, you know, I, I don't have any regrets and I feel really good about that I don't have any regrets. Like I remember getting to about 52 and uh, I was out fishing up above Darwin somewhere with someone and he was about the same age and the same situation. And we just looked at each other and said, well, you know, this is as good as we get. So I've done everything. I had, if you have a bucket list and you don't tick it off, then you're sitting there thinking, oh, I haven't done this and I really wanted to do that. But I've always kept it pretty simple. I love going fishing, so I went a great fishing trip and I had that a few years back. Caught heaps, caught the barra. Always wanted to catch a barra. Quarter barra. And after that, I was content. I just thought, well, 
that was it. I've got everything I want. I've done everything I wanted to try. Um, what else is there? A life, a life full of gratitude. Yeah, just as good as it gets. I yeah. love that show with um, Jack Nicholson. As good as it gets. Yep, love it. Yeah, mm. that's my motto. I reckon I've got it as good as it gets. Mm. Awesome. Very brave. Feels and, very believing. Again, I keep saying the same thing. It's refreshing because I think we do all get scared when we hear the word cancer. Yeah. Yep. But to hear that the journey's been yeah so far a good one. Yeah. Look. Yeah. That, and that's the only advice I could could give to someone. Yeah. Is it's don't be scared of it. Work within the system and 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 get through it because mm. uh, it's a great system and you're looked after really well. It's a good perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank Appreciate you, Matt. It. All the best. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.